Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. Welcome to our study tonight of End Times. We have come to the great white throne of God's judgment as we see it over in the book of Revelation. Chapter 20, we will be looking at verses 11 through 15. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Now, last week we saw that when Christ comes, Satan will be bound and Christ will set up his thousand-year kingdom, and we Christians will reign with him during that kingdom. At the end of the thousand years, Satan will be released. He will deceive the nations, and Christ destroys them and Satan is cast into hell. Then John sees what I believe to be the worst, most horrifying sight that any human has ever had to witness. In this book of Revelation, John has seen some gruesome and terrifying sights, but nothing to match what he sees now. John has seen the six trumpets of God's wrath unfolded, horrifying as they are, hell and fire on a third of the earth. Burning mountain falls into the sea, and a third of the sea returns blood. He saw demonic hosts released from the pit, uh, million strong, horses, appearance of horses with men's heads. He saw boils and cancerous sores on mankind. John saw the seals of God's wrath open, the war that killed a billion people. He saw great cosmic upheaval. Yet these are nothing compared to what John sees now. And with each stroke of the pen, he records for mankind this terrifying event. The judgment of the damned, beginning in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, modern man laughs at the idea that there's a coming judgment. They say, oh, that's archaic. That's primitive. That's barbaric. They say it's a ridiculous idea. God would never judge mankind. He is love. And if God judged us, nobody could stand. They say, no, there's no judgment after death. God would just say, oh, everybody just come in. All is forgotten. Just come in. Men of all ages have scoffed at the idea of judgment by God on the damned. They laughed at Noah's preaching of the coming judgment of the flood, but it came. They laughed at Jeremiah as he preached the destruction of Jerusalem for her sins, but it came. They scoffed at Lot when he warned men of Sodom that God was going to rain down fire and brimstone. But it came. They laughed at Amos as he proclaimed God's judgment on Israel. But it came. 
And make no mistake, the Bible is very clear that a day of judgment is coming for all those who do not embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior. In Hebrews chapter 9, it says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. Just as surely as men die, they will suffer judgment. For the Christian, Christ took our judgment on the cross. For the Christ rejecting, they shall stand before the great white throne of God's judgment. In Paul's great sermon at Athens, he said, God is calling all men to repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. The judgment day is an appointed fixed day. God never fails to make his appointments. Some people think that they have escaped God's judgment, but make no mistake, the non-Christian has not. Psalm 9, 7 says, But the Lord shall endure forever. He has prepared his throne for judgment. Paul says in Romans 2, But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Yes, there is a day of judgment coming on all Christ-rejecting people. The whole gospel teaches this. It's because mankind stands under judgment that Christ came and died. The gospel proclaims that there is a judgment. If there is no judgment, there's no need for the cross. If there's no judgment, there's no need for the gospel. If there's no judgment, there's no need for missionaries. If there's no gospel, there's no need for preaching. But there is a judgment coming in God's affixed time. Now we're going to look tonight at the judge, the judged, and the judgment. First, Jesus the judge. Verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. Now we know that Jesus is the one on this throne because he said, in John 5, for not even the Father judges anyone, but he's given all judgment to the Son. Now, as the judge, Jesus is absolutely righteous and just. Chapter, 11, chapter 19, verse 11 says, in righteousness he judges and makes war. So he'll be a righteous and just judge, no question about it. Jesus, the judge, is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He sees everything. He is everywhere. Nothing escapes his all-searching eye. He sees everything you do. The story is told of this atheist who was on his deathbed, and he had a sign above his bed that said, God is nowhere. And this His little granddaughter was visiting him, and she was just beginning to learn how to read. And so she said, Papa, above your bed, what does that say? God is now here, and the story is a man got saved. God's everywhere. Jesus is also omniscient. He knows all. In this world, men may be convicted on circumstantial evidence, but not so in the great white throne of God. He knows all the facts. Hidden things are revealed. He knows how many men have gone on rejecting Him. He knows their thoughts. He knows everything they have done. He knows the punishment they deserve because he's omniscient. Jesus, the judge, is also omnipotent, all-powerful. 
A criminal may commit a crime and flee to another country where he escapes the penalty for his crime. But men cannot do that when God's judgment falls. With his mighty power, God will bring all lost men and women to judgment. Not one single Christ-rejecting person shall escape. Notice the judge. The nail prints are on his hands. The scars are on his back. The spear wound is in his side. The marks of what wicked men did to him. There he is. Men have ignored him. Men have denied him. They have cursed him. They have beat him. Now he stands before them as the judge. As the ungodly and Christ-rejecting look at his face, they will draw back in terror and fear. It says that the presence of earth and sky fled away from him, but there was no place to be found. That same face that will bring you and I immeasurable joy will bring immeasurable fear and terror to the Christ rejected. The judge is Jesus. Now the judged. Verse 12. Who will stand before the judgment? And I saw the dead. First, the dead. I think there are two aspects of this death. First, the spiritually dead, those separated from God. The person who's not received Christ as Lord is spiritually dead. Paul said, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Jesus, talking over in John 5, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And does not come unto judgment, but has passed out of death into life. John tells us two things here. First, Christians will not be judged here at this throne. Christ received our judgment. And then he tells us that those who have not embraced Christ are dead spiritually and will be judged. But not only those who are spiritually dead, but the physically dead. The unsaved are now resurrected to make this divine appointment. Look in verse 5 of chapter 20. He's talked about the believers being resurrected. Then he says in verse 5, The rest of the dead, those who are not believers, did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. Now the thousand years have ended. The millennial kingdom is over. And now we have the resurrection of the wicked. Now the Christ-rejecting person is resurrected to a vile, corrupt, and rotten body, raised to make up the company of the damned. You and I cannot imagine how horrible this sight is going to be. Now you and I, our bodies as Christians were redeemed by the blood of Jesus. So when we came out of that grave, we came out perfected and, and powerful and glorious like the glory of Christ. But now these, Christ rejecting, their bodies have not been redeemed by the blood of Christ. Sin has had its destructive way in them. Death has had its way in them. When they come up out of this grave, when they come up out of death, they're going to be the walking dead. They're going to be emaciated. They're going to be rotten. It's going to be a horrible sight that we cannot imagine. Now, sin looks pretty today, but in that day, sin in all its ugliness and vileness will be revealed. They thought death was their escape, only to find death was their doom. They've been sealed in torment, awaiting this day of judgment. 
Then he says the great and the small. All the greats of history who rejected Jesus will be there. Hitler, Alexander the Great, Augustus Caesar, kings, presidents, all those that the world calls great who rejected Christ will be at that judgment. And then the small, the nobodies, the unknowns. But John is saying no one will escape. No single person who's ever lived on planet earth who rejected Christ, who failed to believe in Christ, will escape this day of judgment. And then he says, all those whose names are not found in the book of life. Verse 15. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Jesus' salam has a book that contains all the names of those who've been given to him by the Father and born again into Christ's kingdom. All those who have surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, who have embraced him by faith, been redeemed by his blood, purchased, those names are in the Lamb's book of life. Now, no one whose name is recorded in that book will be at this judgment. But everyone whose name is not in that book of life will be there. If their name's not in that book of life, they'll be there. It'll be some Sunday school teachers there. It'll be some deacons there. It's going to be a lot of Baptist church members there. There are going to be some preachers there. Not because they hadn't joined the church. Not because they hadn't been involved in... in uh, doing works, but because they've never trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because they've never experienced that new birth, that righteousness that comes through faith. They've tried to earn their place with God. They've tried to somehow measure up. They've had a works righteousness, not one based on faith. So the criteria will not be if you've been a member of a church or not, whether you've been baptized or not, not whether you call yourself a Christian or not. The criteria will be, Have you been born again into the kingdom of God, washed in the blood of the Lamb? You must not rest in anything but the blood of Jesus for your salvation. Because the only thing that will matter is, is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Who will be judged? Those who have not by faith received Christ. Those who have not by faith surrendered to Christ. Those who have rejected Him. Next, John tells us about the judgment itself. Verse 12. Then I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened. Now, books means there's got to be at least two right there. And then another book was opened. So there's got to be at least three books here. Now, I believe that the three books are, first, the Lamb's Book of Life. Secondly, the book of the law of God, and thirdly, the book of deeds. Every act, every word, every thought that a person has done, contrary to God, will be in that book. Christ will first read what God requires of mankind, the book of the law. Perfect obedience, absolute holiness, sinlessness. Absolute conformity to the will of God in all things, thought, word, and action. That is God's requirement if you're going to be holy before Him based on works. And these who are there have come on that basis. So He lifts up the holy, righteous law before all those gathered. The standard is set. Then I believe. 
God will read from the book of deeds of an unsaved person's life. They tell us our mind is like a high-fidelity HD videotape recorder. Everything's in there. Now, sometimes in dreams, some of it comes out, doesn't it? But it's in there, folks, and it's going to come out one day. All a person's sins will be placed before them. As they are placed beside the law of God, as their life is brought next to the absolute standard of God's holiness, it will be no question in their minds or anybody else's mind what they deserve, that they are guilty. And then I think it's simply as a matter of formality. The Lamb's book of life will be searched for the person's name, and it will not be found. Now, wouldn't it be horrible to, to have them look for your name and it not be there? But, you know, you can know it is there. You can know it's there because you can have the righteousness of Christ. He who knew no sin was made to become sin on our behalf that we might have the righteousness of God in him. So when God looks at the man and woman in Christ, he sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus. What about the book of deeds? My Bible tells me that in the new covenant, he will remember my sins no more. Hallelujah. Yes. And over in Revelation 13, verse 8. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If you've embraced Christ as Lord and Savior through faith, trust in Him and Him alone for your salvation, your name is in the book. I can assure you the reason you believed is because your name is in the book. And God's work of grace is in your life. Then they are sentenced to an eternity of torment and separation from God. Verse 15. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now there's no way I can adequately explain the horrors of hell. The Bible uses terms like agony, suffering. Out of darkness, torment, eternal punishment, second death, eternal destruction, gnashing of teeth. This suffering cannot end. It lasts forever. No rest, no mercy, no hope, no happiness, no love, no relief. Next week, we'll look in more detail what the Bible says about this place known as hell, the eternal destiny of the Christ rejecting. But the good news for anyone who's listening tonight, either on the Internet or by CD, the good news is if you're listening to this message, you do not have to go to hell. You do not have to go to hell. This is on the Internet. If you can hear my voice, there's still hope. You can still be delivered because God has done everything necessary for you to be saved. Jesus took your sins to the cross Heaven is the alternative, not because you're better, not because you attend church, not because you deserve it, but because you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus in total surrender. Throwing yourself upon His mercy. The Bible says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That brings us to the conclusion of our study tonight.